The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Sunday, April the 5th, 2020. And here we are, the start of a new week. And we are in April already. It's unbelievable. Well, of course, the fear and anxiety has not lessened, of course, these last few days as we continue to get campaign rallies from the White House and not much else in the way of any kind of useful information. I wanted to present a few thoughts before getting to the main topic of this episode. First of all, testing is critical. We need testing. And still, most of the country, the overwhelming amount of people here in the United States of America have not been tested. Speaker House House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is correct. You know, testing, testing, testing. We need testing. So while it is important to thank doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers and other frontline workers like delivery people, I think that's important to do. But it is even more important that they get tested and that's the best way to thank them. Thank them by advocating for them. Show your appreciation for them by advocating that they get tested. And now. I mean, that is really the heart of what we all should be doing. And I've been monitoring some of the media, corporate news media lately, and you do not hear that call. You do not hear people saying that at all. It's very rare. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, is the only person I hear, certainly on a regular basis, saying it, if at all. I don't hear anybody else, very few people, talking about the importance of getting people tested all over the country, not just people who are having symptoms, but those who are not. And certainly the healthcare workers, the doctors and the nurses. Test them, please. I mean... That's how you thank these workers, by testing them, by advocating for them. That's how you do it. You advocate for them to be tested. And that's how you show your appreciation for them. Believe me, they will appreciate that you're advocating for them. You should not have doctors or nurses out on picket lines protesting while this is going on. 
They should be tested. They shouldn't have to be doing this. We should be having their back. So we need to call our Congress person and we need to call our senators. It is an election year and I'll get to that later. But we need to do that. We really need to to advocate on behalf of these healthcare workers and all the other people who are literally putting their lives on the line every day, whether it is in the hospitals trying to save the lives of those inflicted with this virus or whether it is the everyday frontline worker in the grocery store, the post office. And I'll get to that a little bit later on as well. We need to have them all tested. And that's how you thank them and show appreciation for them. So that's thought number one. Thought number two is that we must have a booklet mailed to every household in the United States on this virus and on what to do. I think the message has got through to people for the most part. You still have some people flouting the guidelines and not paying attention to what their governor or local person, their mayor says, and they're not, you know, staying six feet apart. You're always going to have, quite frankly, that five to 10% of the population that's just not going to conform to what the urgent guidelines are. They're not going to follow them. You know, that you're never going to get 100% uniformity. But what I do think that sh- should happen, what I do think should happen, and should have happened several weeks ago, and I think I've touched on this before in previous editions, is that state governments or local governments, either one or both, should be sending, and maybe a state, the state government should do this, and maybe, again, it could be supplemented by the local government, should be sending every household a four or five page booklet on the basics with this virus and on what to do to prevent it from spreading. And I think had that been done in late January or in early February even, I think the public would be much better off, would have been better off. And we could have perhaps mitigated some of these outcomes to a degree because what would have happened is, is that people would have had information directly in their mailbox And I don't think that email necessarily is the most uh, efficient way to do this because a lot of people don't read email. I mean, a lot of people don't read mail, but at least they pick it up and it's in their hands. And a small booklet, I think, would get looked at. I would hope it gets looked at. I think it's the best way. So that's my second idea. Send Send a booklet. And it's still not too late. I think this can still be done. Instead of the daily press conferences, which I understand because things change. Instead of the daily press conferences that a lot of people don't watch. The daily ones from the state I'm talking about. They certainly seem to be watching the one in the White House, which is a waste of time. Nobody should be watching that because it's 90% of it is just useless information. And of course, when Trump talks, he's lying through his teeth, as is Mike Pence. So, I mean, that press conference is just a waste of time. It's a campaign rally, as I've said many times. But I do think that every state and maybe local government as well should have sent and should still send a simple brochure. They really should. In fact, I'd say the state government should do this. A simple brochure 
that has the do's and don'ts, the basics, washing your hands, etc., etc., six feet apart, etc. Sheltering in at home. And then just have uh, a website there. If you want to consult the website, here's the link for it. And then people can choose to do that or not. But I think if you just give out websites, you're going to have only a very small number of people looking at them. And if they're not configured the right way, where people are not hunting for things all over the place, people are not going to use the websites. So I think a booklet directly to people's mailboxes at home will be more efficient. Thought number three. I mean, remember, speaking of all of this, remember these alerts that we got in 2018? I just talked about how Sending something directly through mail would be a good idea with this virus. How come there hasn't been an alert sent to everybody's phone about dealing with this virus? I mean, in 2018, we had two things happen in this country. Many of whom of you have probably forgotten this. I know the state of Hawaii hasn't. Hawaii had a false alarm on their hands. But at the time, how did they know? Everybody was getting text messages that said ballistic missile alert. This is not a drill. And that, of course, scared the bejesus out of people all over the Aloha state. And they were running for cover for fear of what was going to happen next. This was sent out by people in the government in Hawaii, in the state government, which as far as I remember is a democratically controlled government. And lo and behold, within an hour, there was another text sent out. False alarm, false alarm. And that was terrifying to be in that state of fear. So... You know, that's something to really think about. You know, if we can have false alerts being sent out in January of 2018, can we actually have an alert be sent out about this virus if you don't want the piece of mail coming through your mailbox? What about sending it to your phone? What about the do's and don'ts? Instead of these campaign rallies where someone's holding up a flimsy piece of paper with 15-day guidelines on it, that nobody's going to consult the website or very few will to look at. Why not put that on someone's phone? I say this because later that year, in October, in 2018, there was actually a presidential alert that was sent to every phone and device in the country. And it was billed as a test. The Integrated Public Alert and Warning System, IPAWS, I-P-A-W-S, or, as I put it, I-P-A-U-S-E, I pause. Now remember, people may have forgotten this already, but in October of 2018, on October 3rd to be precise, at 2.18 in the afternoon, there was a message sent to, I remember it, I remember it very clearly, it was sent to every phone, Every watch that was an Apple watch received it. Every iPad that had the uh, cellular capability 
received it. And we should be having, and we should have had that for this uh, COVID-19. We should have. But the larger point I'm making is, is this test going to be used again? Is this IPAWS integrated public alert and warning system test going to be used this October prior to the general election? Now, I'm not going to get all conspiratorial on you. I am not going to get all conspiratorial on you. But what I will say is that with this guy in the White House, anything is possible. And usually anything terrifying because everybody now, with this virus and this horrible economy, people being laid off by the millions, with these unemployment claims zooming up, 10 million over the last week, a week and a half to two weeks, is a terrifying time. And what better time to take advantage of people's fear and terror than to have some kind of presidential alert in October. Not now when we really need to have the information properly marshaled, but in October. Saying to shelter in place, saying that there's a missile alert. Could that happen? I mean, is that the kind of stop that Donald Trump is willing to pull? Is he going to pull out those kinds of stops on the American public who he's already terrorized? I mean, he's already caged kids. No one seems to care about that. Put them in concentration camps along the southern border, along Texas, along... I mean, nobody is raising an eyebrow about that now. They didn't even raise much of an eyebrow about it when it was happening, when it started, and it's still happening right now. Where is the plan for dealing with avoiding the spread of the virus amongst people who have been thrown in these concentration camps? I've not heard anything from anybody about this. Forget Trump and Pence. I've not heard anything about this from Democrats. Forget Republicans. They're not going to. Where is the outcry about this? I think it's something that we should be talking about. So my question is, will this presidential alert be utilized just in time to try to stop the election? This is something that is worth thinking about. I don't mean to frighten the bejesus out of you. But this statement from Vice President Mike Pence back on, I guess it was February the 5th of this year, on Fox and Friends, definitely made me sit up. And I'm not even going to really say much about it after I finish playing it. It's about 14 seconds. Listen to what Mike Pence had to say on February 5th, 2020, on Fox News, on the program Fox and Friends. Of the reasons uh, why you see the the momentum growing behind this president, and uh, uh, I, I just uh, I just have a strong feeling that uh, uh, she's going to be the last speaker of the house to to uh, sit in that chair for well, a long time. You know, I just have a strong feeling that she, and he's referring to Nancy Pelosi, is going to be the last speaker of the house to sit in that chair for a long. time. Time.
Does Mike Pence know something that we don't? President, have pity on the working man. Welcome back to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. And actually, I had forgotten to add something to that opening group of thoughts. And that was about the postal service and the postal workers. And I did allude to this a little bit earlier when I talked about the mail. But the Postal Service now, and people who regularly go to the post office may be aware of this, may not be aware of it, but the Postal Service has been, for a number of years, operating really on fumes, if the truth be told. So I want to give some background to that. And it's really important to look at it because there is now some real talk about the post office going under. You know, there was a postal worker strike roughly 50 years ago. And it was at least a week long. You know, you you had over 150,000 people in 30 different cities across the country here in the United States. Striking. You know, there there were conditions and all kinds of things that prompted this strike. Very, very difficult conditions. And then what happened is is that Richard Nixon, who was president at the time, and this would have been, what, around 1970 or so, because he was in the White House then, he declared an emergency and he had to get the uh, National Guard in to deliver mail. And this is one of the quotes, quote, the United States postal system is a vital element of our entire communication system. The poor depend heavily upon it for medical services and also for government assistance. That was what Nixon said in an address to the nation. Quote, veterans depend on it for their compensation checks. The elderly depend on it for their social security checks. Now, there's all kinds of things going on with the, the uh, Postal Service. You know, there's a lot of money that's not being given to it. They are in deep debt. 
You know, it's something like over $200 billion. And it's expected that in terms of liquidity, you know, the kinds of monies that it would need to keep going, without any kind of intervention, the post office could literally go under by next year. But oh, looky, looky here. Look what we have. We have a pandemic. And now that pandemic has put a lot of strain on postal workers and the USPS, that's the United States Postal Service. And what is really crazy to me, really crazy to me, is that there is not and was not any protections in the bill that was passed, that CARES package. No protections for postal workers. No protections for the United States Postal Service. There was no money funded. There was no money allocated to that most important resource that Richard Nixon, in his address that I just quoted to you, said that, you know, this kind of thing needs to be protected. And with this pandemic going on, I think that this is really important. And to that end, last month, you had some concerns that were being aired by several Democrats in the House. And that was something that I think, you know, is needed. I mean, they both, it was Jerry Connolly and Caroline Maloney who both sounded the alarm about this whole issue with the Postal Service saying that it could go under by June of this year. In fact, that is something that has been talked about a lot. I mean, the United States Postal Service came out and said that it warns, and this is from an article from Fortune magazine dated March the 30th of this year, Michelle, let me, Michelle, Nicole, Nicole Goodkind, spelled as it sounds, Nicole Goodkind. Nicole spelled N-I-C-O-L-E, by the way, but Goodkind, the way it is spelled is the way it sounds. And this is from her on March 30th, 2020, Fortune Magazine headline. And this is the headline, USPS warns it might have to shutter by June as $2 trillion coronavirus stimulus package provides no funding. What? That's really problematic. How could this bill have gone through and nothing be authorized or provided for the United States Postal Service? I mean, that is tantamount to tanking not only government, but tanking communication. I mean, quite frankly, it's tantamount to uh, tanking the First Amendment. That's really troubling to me. So that's the other thought I wanted to talk about because that's the thing I wish I had mentioned in the first segment because vote by mail is a very real possibility now. And you've had Trump talking about, oh, well, gosh, that bill, that stimulus bill that we just passed, oh, my goodness me. They had stuff in there, the Democrats, that said, you know, my goodness, the kind of stuff in there about voting. And my goodness, if it it had gone through, you'd never have another president be Republican ever again. He said that 
on Fox recently. I think last week or the week before. You can go and, and hunt that down on YouTube. And he actually was honest. He was actually for once telling the truth. Yeah, because people are seeing now that the Republican Party is no longer sustainable or a viable option. Because the Republican Party is shilling for the top one-tenth of one percent. The billionaire tax cuts, the two of them that have been given, this package which provides for one quarter of that money to go to billion and trillion dollar companies. So, yeah, this is really serious stuff. And if the post office shuts down in June, my suggestion about sending, mailing out things about do's and don'ts of viruses and how you can protect yourself, that goes out the window. Really goes out the window. And it's a story that needs more meat on its bones. Because I'm not so sure that this story has been the forefront of anybody's mind. Given what we're dealing with with this pandemic, everybody's focus is on this pandemic right now. But that has given Trump and his fellow criminal set the opportunity to do all of these very nefarious things right beneath the radar. Whether it is still going and pursuing abandoning, you know, in the courts in Texas, abandoning Obamacare, where they're trying to destroy that still. That has not been put on hold, folks. Whether it's Bill Barr's uh, orders to try to get rid of all these habeas corpus laws and get curtail rights of people who have been detained or incarcerated. Whether it is to try to limit abortion or get rid of it. There was a recent victory, though, for abortion rights advocates. Where, I think in Texas, where they said that, or wherever, whichever state it was in, which said that you could not limit a woman's right to an abortion. So, you know, those are things, and I'm going to continue to talk about these things, that fly under the radar. So that you can at least be informed about them. There is a bill, by the way, that has been introduced by um, Carolyn Maloney and several other Democratic representatives. And it was introduced, I believe, uh, on the uh, 24th of March, literally right, you know, right before, you know, a week before this article. That is uh, a bill that provides for protection, among other things, of the national of the uh, United States Postal Service. Now, I'll be following that bill. Because I think that's a very important bill. Nita Lowy actually was the one that introduced it. But um, Carolyn Maloney was on the bill and several others were on it. And it is called the Take Responsibility for Workers and Families Act. The bill number is HR 6379. And it was actually introduced on March the 23rd, 2020. So that is a very important development that I think people should be aware of. You can actually read the bill, if you care to, at congress.gov. And you can put in the search in, in the search bar. Um, when you get to that congress.gov site, there is a search bar. Um, and I think it's, it says current legislation on the left-hand side of it. And you can type in 
HR6379. H period R period 6379. It's called the Take Responsibility for Workers and Families Act. This is a separate bill from the CARE bill, which is the $2 trillion package that's already been passed. And the uh, sponsor is Nita Lowy. L-O-W-E-Y. Nita, first name is spelled N-I-T-A. So that's, if you want to look that up and read it, there's a lot in there. You can read that bill, H-R-6379. Introduced in the 116th Congress, the second session of which we are currently in. I am going to get to the main point right now. And it's going to be probably shorter than everything else that I've actually talked about. But we are not thinking about anything but this pandemic and maybe thinking about the election. But the game plan, what is your game plan for this election? What is your game plan for November? I think it's a good question to ask. Now, some of you might be saying, November? Jeez, I don't even have a game plan for next week because I've been laid off because my benefits have been frozen, I've been furloughed. I haven't got this $1,200 check yet. I don't know where I'm going to pay for my rent. I don't know where my utilities are going to go. I have no idea about my mortgage. I mean, these are questions that some of you may well be asking yourself. And you might be saying, how dare you? How dare you say November? Think about November. Think about November. Are you kidding? Maybe some people are saying that. Maybe you are. I would dare say millions of people in America right now are saying that and are thinking that. I mean, look at all these food banks. Look at the food bank lines. This is the Great Depression, folks. It is the Great Republican Depression of 2020. And many people don't realize that back in 1929 and 30 and that Great Depression, Great Depression era, that it was actually called the Great Republican Depression. Simply because Herbert Hoover was sitting in the White House, a Republican president, while it was going on, while this depression was going on. And he was very indifferent. He did not care. Like the guy that's in the White House now, who's also a Republican. He did not care. He showed very little concern about the plight of everyday people. And so history is repeating itself. This is the Great Republican Depression. And I think it's very clear. No one wants to say it, but it's very clear. When you've got millions of people now, daily, or weekly rather, filing for unemployment claims, and God knows how many people didn't get through or didn't get through on the website of their state. That's a depression. That is literally a depression. When you're talking about 10 million unemployment claims filed over the last week and a half, those are unprecedented numbers. You didn't even see these numbers in the Great Depression. Not like this, at least. And, I, and we seem to be heading right there. We are in that realm. So November is very far away for everybody, even though 
This election on November 3rd is less than seven months away now. And everybody's thinking about, well, we'd we'll be able to defeat Trump. Will we be able to defeat Trump? Will we be able to defeat Trump? And very few people are talking about the United States Senate. And far less are even talking about the state legislatures and governor houses. What is your game plan for November voting wise? I mean, with all the time that we now have on our hands, for those of us fortunate enough to have a roof over our head, for those of us fortunate to have internet access, for those of us fortunate to have a computer, we have to start having a game plan. Now is the time of all this time that we have on our hands is to spend a little portion of your day developing a game plan about November about whether or not you're going to be able to drive people to the polls, if you can do that, about whether or not you are educating people about registration to vote, and then also about who your representatives are. You've got these critical Senate races in the United States Senate right now that are going to be monumental come November. And I know some people are expressing worries about if there's going to be an election. Well, there's going to be one. There's going to be one. Now, you know, there could be some circumstances around it, but they are go- there's going to be one. Mark my words on that. Because you've got these Senate races. Right now, the Republicans control the Senate. They've got 53 Republican senators. So they have the majority. They control the Senate. 45 Democratic senators and then two independent senators. And those two caucus with the Democrats. So in all intents and purposes, the Democrats have 47 senators. This November, the Democratic Party, the Democrats must win four seats. They must have a net gain of four seats. And if they do, they will take control of the Senate. It will be bye-bye Mitch McConnell and his reign of terror. And it will be hello, Chuck Schumer, as your new majority Senate leader. I mean, that's it's as simple as that. And we need to start focusing on getting this Senate back in Democratic hands, as far as I'm concerned. Because we've had so many things blocked. The House has passed over 400 pieces of legislation. And most of them, if not all of them, are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. Mitch McConnell just last week told Nancy Pelosi, don't you dare, don't you dare try having another stimulus package. Don't you dare try running another bill. That was the Grim Reaper, Mitch McConnell, who is a very dangerous man. He's almost as dangerous as Trump is, quite frankly. One of these days I will get into some of that stuff as well with Mitch McConnell. But... We need to have a game plan for November. There are some critical Senate races in at least six states. Alabama, Doug Jones, the Democrat, trying to hold on to his seat against a possible challenge from several Republicans, including Jeff Sessions, who is trying to get his Senate seat back. We'll see. That's a close race. Doug Jones who is trying to win a term on his own accord because, of course, he was filling in 
the previous term of the uh, departed Jeff Sessions. And now Jeff Sessions wants his seat back. We'll see about that. This is where people need to get active and involved. In Arizona, Martha McSally, the Republican, is in big trouble. And if Democrats want to try to get these net gains of four seats, this is really the place to start, Arizona, because Martha McSally is very vulnerable there. Mark Kelly, the Democratic challenger, who is also the husband of Gabby Giffords. You know Mark Kelly. He's the astronaut that spent, I think, a year in isolation in outer space. I mean, yeah, I think he did that. He did do that. He spent a long time in isolation. It may have been a year. But Mark Kelly now is looking odds on to win that seat. Then you've got Kentucky, Mitch McConnell. I speak of the devil. I just spoke about him. He is being challenged by the Democrat Amy McGrath. Amy McGrath is a decorated veteran. She's an Air Force pilot. She's a fighter pilot. She's one of the most, uh, she served this, this country in spades. And you've got to go check out her website and her Twitter page. I really do think she has a good chance of giving McConnell not only a good fight, but actually beating him. McConnell is not popular in Kentucky. And unless there's voter suppression, which you must factor in with all these things, which is why turnout's important, I think that Amy McGrath uh, is going to pull it off. I think she will. In Maine, you've got Susan Collins, the Republican Susan Collins, just like the Republican Mitch McConnell, in some jeopardy. I think Susan Collins could find herself without a Senate seat come next January. I think that's very possible. Sarah Gideon is her Democratic challenger. Sarah Gideon. You've got in North Carolina, Tom Tillis, the Republican there, is definitely in some trouble. Carl Cunningham is his challenger, the Democrat. Carl Cunningham. And in South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, vulnerable. For the first time, I think, in his Senate career, he is really vulnerable. And it's going to be close. Jamie Harrison is the Democrat challenging him for November. Harrison is definitely going to do well. The question is, will voters push him over the top against Lindsey Graham, who's been in the Senate now for far too long and has been an embarrassment there? So there you go. Those are just the Senate races. If the Democrats win four of those six states and there are at least 14 or 15 other Republicans up for re-election in their states in the Senate, I mean, if Democrats, again, get a net gain of four victories in the Senate, they will control the Senate next year. And that will be enormous. And it will really help this country because then if the Democrats hold on to the House, and I think they will, and we can't avoid that because we've got to make sure that the Democrats hold on to the House, then, you know, we really could see some real changes in this country. And of course, of course, of course, the White House, the Democrats must retake that. And I think they will. But how do we marshal all this information? And you've got these state legislatures as well. They've got to go Democratic. We see what's happened in these states with legislatures controlled, most of them by Republicans, like something like 36 or 38 states, Republican controlled legislatures. 
And these policies are hurting the people who are voting for them. So we've got to make sure that we can change the Senate to Democratic, the, the state legislatures also to Democratic hands, the governorships as well to Democratic hands. This whole country needs to go Democratic. And the states are the most important thing. As is the Senate, the states, your state and your city, when you go into that voting booth, all the way down the ballot, vote every Democrat that you see in there, vote for Democrats. That's what my advice is. And if you want to keep track of all of this information, my advice would be to use the Five Calls app. If you have an Android phone, if you have a iPhone, you really do want to go to that Five Calls app. And you go to it by going to the App Store. And you type in the number five. No space between the five and the next uh, letters. C-A-L-L-S. All one word. The number five and then the word C-A-L-L-S. With no space between the five and the C. And you will see something called five calls. Download that app. Believe me. That app is going to be helpful. And I believe it is on both Android and on Apple. That app allows you to make phone calls to your congressperson, phone calls to your house, excuse me, to your senators as well. So it's a very important tool. It also gives you every politician in the country, in the state and local Certainly in the, or certainly in Congress, rather, it gives you all of those people in Congress, all 435 of your House of Representatives, all 435 of them, their phone numbers, what they voted on, their voting records, their most recent bills that they've introduced, everything, their voting history. It's a really important tool. And I think that's the best place to go. Five calls. Download that right now. And you will really be able to educate yourself. So while you are indoors, if you have a home to stay in to and stay in and stay inside, make sure that you do download this Five Calls app. It's very important. And that's a way that you can start to plan what you're going to be doing this November, what your outlook is already getting to educate yourself on the politician's who represent you. You can find your representative very easily by using this Five Calls app. That's the number five and then the word C-A-L-L-S. That's Five Calls. And that is a really good tool. I strongly recommend it, highly recommend it. And I advise you to download that tool right now from the App Store. Well, thank you very much for your ear on this Sunday. Very much appreciated that you are listening to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.